Good morning everybody, it is Friday the 25th of September and it's a rainy day in Melbourne but it's a sunny day in the stock market. We were only supposed to be up 7 points according to the futures this morning on the back of Wall Street, up 52. Volatile session on Wall Street, it was 500 point range or so. Anyway, our market today has been up 98 points, almost 100 points at one point. Thanks to the banks, does the stock market ever make you look like an idiot? It is making us look like complete idiots this morning, having sold the banks this week, having given up on the recovery trade, having written them off as a sector that was trending down, has no growth, that was going to see a further dent to their margins with a potential RBA rate cut on the cards on October the 6th. And out we got. And today, CBA is up 3.3%, Westpac 6.7%, NAB 6.3%, ANZ 5.2%, Bendigo Adelaide, haven't held that one, up 4 Bank of Queensland up 2.9%. The housing market is getting a shot in the arm today as Josh Frydenberg tells us that the government, which I've assumed is APRA, are going to do a backflip on responsible lending practices axing responsible lending laws that were introduced by the Rudd government. If you were a real estate agent, you would be booking a big lunch today prior to a boost in activity helped by Josh and APRA. I have a friend looking for a mortgage at the moment. He is absolutely ripping his hair out with how long it has taken the CBA to put a mortgage together for him. I think he's into week eight. These things used to be done in two weeks. Every question is met with another request for another document about another entity or some form that's just wrong, that's just missing this little bit. It is endless trying to get a loan at the moment. And here we are with the government saying, stop buggering everybody about and lend them the money. Well, that's got to be good for the housing market. It's certainly good for the banks today. I'm not sure it is enough for us us to get excited about the banks. Yes, the government and the RBA on October the 6th are likely to deliver a double punch, a one-two of monetary and fiscal policy if the RBA cut rates from 025 to 0.1%. And if Josh Frydenberg delivers a budget full of stimulus, tax cuts, and this change from responsible lending to irresponsible lending. It's all good, but they might just be flogging the dead horse that is the Australian economy at the moment. And although the banks have popped 6%, this doesn't make them growth stocks. A rate cut is going to make margins even harder to come by. Part of the loan process at the moment is not so much about responsible lending practices dictated by the government, but responsible lending practices is in an economy where some people are desperate for money and are prepared to lie to get it. So the banks are on their guard already and the government directive may not change anything, but the stock market's running with it and we are looking stupid. Anyway, there we go. We're not going to chase the banks from here. I don't think it turns them into growth stock. And we are running a growth portfolio. We also don't have any dividends from them. And despite the bank strength, our market is still sluggish, still trending down apart from the banks. And we are happy-ish be 
cashed up and trying to time the moment to get involved again on the income front. We're in the middle of this dividend desert between results seasons. We're not missing out on any income and we can still choose to buy the banks ahead of their results. But the reality is the banks are yielding half of what they used to yield. This isn't going to change anything. Suggestions are they're going to be yielding 3.5% instead of 7% until the beginning of 2022. So it may well be they've been killed off as income stocks anyway. Anyway, a lot of excuses about why we don't hold banks. But I really don't think we would be buying them now despite this development. If anything, it's probably a good excuse to sell them again into the strength. Right, we had our usual strategy discussion this morning. We talked about the market. Our conclusion is that apart from today, it's still in downtrend. We're not worrying about a significant market fall, but having cashed up to 35% in the growth portfolio, we've inoculated ourselves against the worst ravages of a precipitous fall, but we don't think that's going to happen. The market has seen seven actionable corrections of more than 10% in the past 20 years. That's once every three years, corrections that could warrant us or in hindsight would have warranted us cashing up completely. And we've had one of those in the last six months. So they are rare events. It could happen tomorrow, but I don't think we need to turn every flat spot in in the market into a crash. So we're not doing that at the moment, but we are cashed up and ready to buy when the trend turns. Short term though, technology stocks are still overpriced. The winter wave is developing in Europe. I heard one expression today that the UK needs to significantly harden its measures to get on top of the virus and they were described as going virus light. Anyway, that winter wave could develop into something more meaningful or damaging for the markets and we're happy to sit and watch. That trend is clearly getting worse for the moment. Our cash position, 35% in growth, 65% in income. Happy uh, with that. We are ready to go when the market looks better. I've got a table of what the growth portfolio looks like in the strategy piece today and the income portfolio. You can see every stock we hold, where we bought it, what it's done since. On the growth portfolio, having given up on the recovery trade and raised the cash level, we are looking forward to rebuilding the portfolio at the right time when the market stops trending down. And on the income portfolio, as I say, in the middle of this dividend desert, 65% cash, that's the safe option. Cash is king, or if the market's just trending down, maybe it's queen. But it is the low-risk, stress-free and appropriate setting at the moment, whilst the market's got a fair bit of doubt. Now, I write today about the other uncertainty, which is ramping up by the day and you can get lost and absorb yourself reading about the US election. I am thinking of putting a ban on Marcus today writing about the US election about every twist and turn because we're going to add very little value. It will exhaust us. Trump is a headline machine. It's covered very well elsewhere and there are just going to be hundreds of subtleties and nuances, news and fake news over the next six, seven weeks that could render our efforts little more than navel-gazing time-wasting. For instance, today, here are a few of the headlines. Trump threatens to veto new stricter FDA guidelines on approving a vaccine because he wants a vaccine before the election date. Trump trying to win votes by introducing a directive to protect people with pre-existing conditions that
that make them vulnerable to CV-19. He's trying to get the older person's vote. Trump refusing to allow a peaceful transfer of power come election day if there is any ambiguity, which there almost certainly will be. There was some article today about the post office finding some discarded ballot forms anyway. And Trump and Biden polling equally in swing states of Florida and Arizona. You can see we could go on every day about these oh-so-relevant or are they irrelevant headlines and the number of them will grow daily over the next seven weeks. I'm not sure we should bother in the stock market newsletter trying to contain it all for you. We are not political experts and there are much better writers than us on the subject. Having said all that, you can't stop yourself writing about it. And the world will be watching on Tuesday. Trump and Biden have their first of three presidential debates, live debates in the US. That's Tuesday night, our time. There's one article which is suggesting that Trump is the consummate performer and will wipe the floor with Biden. He's being described as a product manufactured by the Democratic election machine, lacking genuine personality with a lot of personality weaknesses that Trump will bring out. And this format plays into Trump's hands. Unless, of course, Trump goes off script, which he's bound to do and shoots himself in the foot, which he's not bound. Anyway, let's see what happens. Tuesday will be interesting. Could just set tone for the next six, seven. Right, some Fed speak overnight. Have a read of that in the strategy piece. Conflicting Fed speak. There's James Bullard, St. Louis Fed governor. He's always wheeled out when the bull market gets worried. Anyway, he says it's unreasonable to expect a second wave of coronavirus infections to push the US recovery off track, given the steady progress in tamping down deaths from the pandemic. Then you've got Jerome Powell saying, while households are spending what's left of their stimulus checks and unemployment benefits, the risks are that they will go through that money ultimately and have to cut back on spending and maybe lose their home or their lease. John Williams, structural inequality stifles growth, but there is no single silver bullet that can solve the problems laid bare by the pandemic. Charles Evans, we are taking a very serious unnecessary risk if we do not extend federal assistance to out-of-work households. Anyway, bit of gloom and a an appropriate backdrop or slightly negative sort of tone to all that Fed speak, which sort of supports this cashed-up position we are in at the moment. I have the usual technical observations in the strategy piece today. Have a look at those. Some sell signals and buy signals. A couple of interesting buy signals there. One of them in a growth stock right at the bottom of the trading range, just beginning to bottom. Defensive stock as well. Have a look at that. And finally, as a bit of education, I got a member email today which said, whenever you put up a chart, you say whether it is a daily chart or a weekly chart chart. Why? What is the difference between a daily chart and a weekly chart? Does it matter? Surely it doesn't. It's just the same stock doing the same thing. Well, it's a quiet Friday apart from those blinking banks. So why not do a bit of education? If you want to read all about why we look at daily charts or weekly charts and who should look at them and how appropriate they are. And there's a little footnote there about the stupidity of this over glamorized death cross or golden cross, which some people talk about, you should find that interesting. Point being, we had a death cross on March 13th, 14th this year. This is when a 200-day moving average crosses a 50-day moving average going down, and that's supposed to be a big sell signal. Well, if you'd sold on that day, you were selling pretty much at the bottom. Point is, death crosses and golden crosses are hopelessly late in identifying turning points in market. Have a look at the chart. Anyway, that's about that. Look out for Henry on Ask an Analyst. 
at 5 p.m. today. And also look out for Henry's webinar on macro factors affecting the market. That's on Tuesday next week. I think he's sold out as well. We've only paid for 500 seats, I'm afraid. So expensive is GoToWebinar. And look out for me in the weekend email tomorrow. You have a good day. Well done, everybody who didn't sell the banks. Don't worry, they will flop again. These are not growth stocks. Stop talking about the banks, Marcus. You have a good day. I will see you in the weekend email tomorrow. Mm-hmm.